0: My mother and father, poor mother and father, they were despairing. When, when was I going to settle down, you know? And my cousin in Leeds, his parents were having the same sort of problem. And they were both in Toronto complaining about their sons. When are our sons going to settle down? And so anyhow, uh, well, I was going through Leeds on my way home to Toronto to settle down. And Nielsen Ski Holidays was based there. And I had a friend who went in, met the MD, and he said, you know what? We're going to set up this training program and teach... Travel agents, how to sell ski holidays. I want someone who can talk about skiing, someone who knows skiing, reasonably young, and can write a book about it. And my bud said, I know who the guy is. I'm going to be in a wardrobe. And I got recommended. I met this guy. And you won't believe it, Steve. I took the job on the spot. The guy said, I'm going to pay you 8,500 quid a year, plus give you a car. But you're going to do nothing but talk skiing. And uh, so anyhow, I went home to Toronto for the weekend. And my mom and dad said, oh, my son, he's coming home. He's going to settle down. And I said, sorry, mom. I said, could I get the washing done? Could I get my clothes washed? Because I'm going back on Monday. I'm going to start this job. I'm Gary Wardrobe, a travel entrepreneur, ski racer, and adventurer. And you're listening to The Traveling Optimist with Steve Audie.
1: Greetings, Optimists, and welcome back to the Home of Optimism. How are you? I hope all is well. Uh, Right now, I'm feeling great. As you all know, I've taken a step to the side into the heady world of finance and become a qualified mortgage advisor. I have to say, I'm thoroughly enjoying this new adventure and helping people with the purchase of their new homes. And I think my time in travel has served me well in that, really, it's all about looking after people and helping them achieve their goals. Uh, Same service, if you like, but different industry. And I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, My guest in this episode is my good friend and travel legend, Gary Wardrobe. Gary brings his story to life on the podcast and we run through what's been an incredible journey so far in his life and an adventure that shows no sign of slowing down one bit. His story begins in Canada, takes a tour of Europe, a chance opportunity then to use his ski knowledge here in the UK and carve out what's been a very successful career. But behind this story is a guy who's trusted his intuition and took action. And I mean, how many of us would open up the phone book and ask to speak to one of the titans of the travel industry to get to a goal that he wants to achieve? Gary is an entrepreneur who saw opportunities and then put in place strategies to achieve those goals. The conversation takes us back and forth around the travel industry, the people, the hope and the positiveness of an industry that keeps getting hit but bounces back every time. So... This is me in Gary Wardrobe, a kindred spirit, a man who followed his passion, rolled with the punches and set in train from a chance meeting in Leeds, a career that has spanned 40 years. And now he has reignited his passion for skiing competitively at the age of 62. It proves that age doesn't really matter. You've just got to go for it. Gary Wardrop, good afternoon. Welcome to the Home of Optimism. How are you?
0: Very good, Steve. Very optimistic today. Looking forward to chatting. With
1: you. Absolutely. Now, that you've done something with your microphone. You're covering it up with something because I can't hear you properly.
0: Oh, right. I don't know. Okay. Is that better? Or...
1: <laughs> oh, that's, that's much better.
0: <laughs> okay. <There laughs> no, I go. can't
1: see you, so I won't be able to use any oh. video. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Wait a minute. Let's... Okay. Oh, the wonders, of, the, obvious... the wonders of technology, right? I'm just, I'm just holding it right here. Is that okay? Does that sound all right? Yeah, no, that's absolutely perfect.
1: What the uh, listeners won't realize is that five minutes ago, I mean, Gary and I are sort of two peas in a pod when it comes to technology. And five minutes ago, we had to ask his daughter to help him out with his phone to get the sound working. And I've done exactly (laughs) the same with my, with one of my daughters and technology that I use. So I think you're in a, you're, you're in a, the, the the right place in terms of um, being somebody like me who thinks that I can't do things that modern modern kids know how to do things and uh, everything's everything's brand new we're all a bit old school aren't we It
0: is we are we are yeah. I grew up with it Steve I, I in, the, in the 1980s I was in university and we had a university that was the size of a building and uh, to think now I'm holding a phone and talking to you and it's on t- you know TV oh, kind yeah. of thing it's, it's incredible Well you and I
1: probably well you you've Probably started um in, in travel at the same time as me, but do you remember telex machines?
0: Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, we we had them around the world with our ski operations, and people yeah. would telex in that Mrs. Smith got their chalet and you'd think they're yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, those heady days. Oh my god. And then we got onto fax machines. Um ah. yeah, tell me. Um so look, let's this I'm really excited about this. So some some background. For, for the listeners uh, i've known gary almost probably 16 years on and off um since uh we both started our own business at a similar time our own travel business at a similar mm-hmm. time um yeah. and uh, we were part of the same group haze travel and we used to meet up at the uh at the yearly conferences and conventions didn't we um which were yeah. really great fun um but i i, I, I guess we well we, our paths went different ways a little bit but um uh, Gary most definitely went down a, a more successful route, which has been his 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 trail has, has always been success anyway. But um, what I want to do is bring us back a little bit, Gary, if you don't mind, because you mm-hmm. are Canadian, yeah, no problem, and I'd love yep, to I love am. to learn a little bit more about sort of the early days. You know, you know, in Canada, where sure. you're from, your mom and dad. You know how early, yep. early that kind of thing.
0: Okay, so I'm born in Toronto, Canada. Uh, 1959. I'm, uh, can't believe it. I'm 62. Can't believe that. Uh, but I grew up, uh, in a little place in Toronto, uh, playing ice hockey would be my first thing going to school as a five-year-old with, a uh, um, ice hockey stick over my shoulder and skates, uh, cause it's cold. You just go out the back and, and, and sprinkle water everywhere and you create an ice rink. Mm. And I, I'd be with my buddies playing ice hockey when I got home on the way to school. Um, And two really good parents who were great and always supported me, whatever I wanted to do. So I think I was very fortunate um, in terms of having, supporting, loving parents. And uh, basically, I got to about 12, 13 years of age, realized I wasn't going to be a big guy. And ice hockey is a big guy's uh, game. And my sister had dragged the family along to go skiing. And I was a little kind of brat brother about – at this time, I think about seven, my sister was 13 – and we went out skiing and anyhow i won the school's you know the, the ski race and beat all the parents and and the the teacher said i think your little boy here has got some talent he seems to like speed and you know getting height and stuff and uh and i looked up and i said mom dad i said look i'm not a i'm not going to be big at ice hockey i don't like all this violence and stuff can can i take up skiing skiing and they said well sure you know and uh that was the start of my love affair with skiing basically mm. at about about Let's start about seven or eight years of age.
1: Yeah. Oh, amazing. So um, just from a geography point of view, where where do you have to go from Toronto to go skiing?
0: Yeah, okay. So it's just north, two hours north. And frankly, any skiers listening, I I mean, I don't recommend going there. It's like little wee hills. Um, But that's what I had. And it taught me how to turn around a gate and how to race and everything else. Um, and some of our best ski racers out of Canada have come there because that's where the majority of the population is, and there's there's intense training. Uh, but that then led into going to the Rockies, I fell in love with the mountains, and then that led to Europe uh, eventually, and then setting so I my own business in skiing. So there's one of my first tips is that any young viewers, you know, follow your passion. I think if you follow a passion, and there I am from a very early age, I, I fell in love with mountain skiing, and just the pull of gravity down on snow. That uh, I, I then set up a business, not because I wanted to make money, just because I wanted to have an interesting life. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you do something like that, you you tend to be good at it because you love it. You know, yeah. it's not work. It's you, you practice, you think, you research, you do your work, and then success follows. As opposed to, I know a lot of people today kind of go for the money, and I I, I think you should do it the other way around. Uh, because we're all ultimately all going to end up six feet underground. And so when you do, you want to look back and think, well, what kind of life have I had? And I've had a pretty interesting one, I think. And then success has actually followed, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So when you were growing up and, you know, learn and, and skiing, how so obviously how often were you skiing in the winter? Was it? Every weekend or, you know, once or twice a week?
0: Yeah. So I was going to school in Toronto uh, where there's no little hills or anything. Uh, and then going on weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and and the hills were about an hour, an hour and a half. So I could drive up, drive back down with my parents. Mm. Or later on when I got to high school, my friends or I had a driving license. We would do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and that was kind of magical, really. And, and, you know, really interesting, I've just been in a seniors race in Europe, and I met the Canadian team, and they've all been training at my old club. Um, and I met a bunch of Austrians who knew it also, because we had pro racing back in the 70s, and a couple of them were pro racers there. So anyhow, it's, it's a rinky-dink place called Collingwood, and anybody from Toronto would know it. Uh you know and and you'd get like a a minute long course enough to yeah. get the the fabric of ski racing but not enough to you know progress to the next level so yeah. it gave me the taste and the love
1: yeah you know? absolutely so um what were you like as a child you know you you mentioned that seven year old you were like a you know the the younger yeah, brat brother, but yeah, you know, getting up as a yeah. teenager and stuff. Did you did you studies and stuff? How did that go? Did you think no, I want to be a uh, I want to be a skier, so I'm going to put all my efforts in that, and and or did you actually have some balance with your education as well?
0: No balance with education and other sports. I love all sports. You know, mm-hmm. tennis, golf, I still play a lot. Um, and growing up in in school, as a matter of fact, I was looking at I have a yearbook upstairs, and it always said. Gary likes to be the class clown. (laughs) And it said, if only he'd pay attention and calm down and stop entertaining the class, he could do really well. (laughs) And so that's my report card. And I think, uh, I think I've still got a bit of that in me. I I kind of can't help, but like to entertain sometimes. So uh, the fabric of the young child is still in the older guy now, just have less hair and stuff, but I still like to entertain, I think. Um, and, yeah, growing up, um, lots of good friends. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be going home in a couple of weeks, and I'm seeing the same group of guys I've known for 62 years. Uh, one guy from uh, Nappies and the other two guys from nursery school, the Hickory Dickory Dog Nursery School. <laughs> so um, I think that's great. You know, that's just maybe another tip there that is, you know, having good friends is, is so important as is having good parents. And I've been lucky enough to have a really good mother and father mm-hmm. um, who, who supported me for yeah. whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah
1: brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe we'll talk about that, that sort of network of, of things later on with, because uh, what brought you to the UK?
0: Cause you went to, you, you did university. Yes. What, what happened so, after that? Okay. So I was in university in Hamilton, Ontario McMaster University studied a business degree. And I did business because I thought, you know what? I have no idea what I'm going to do, uh, but it's going to be in business some way or another and end up being in the travel industry. Uh, but in 1980, my, I have a, my parents are um, um, basically my grandparents are born in England. So I have a British background, although I was born in Toronto. Um, and I have a cousin in Leeds who in 1980 was going down to the south of France And he had two buddies in a car, and he had a fourth place. And he called me up and said, Gary, uh, we're going to Saint-Tropez in a car. (laughs) And I thought, wow, when would I ever go to Europe? Why would I go to Europe? And all of a sudden, getting invited to jump in this car with these three guys who I really don't know. But I thought, well, that's an opportunity. Um, So I took it, and we jumped in the car. And I'll never forget, you know getting picked up at Heathrow and then immediately, you know, we went and did the sites in London and I just got turned on by history. Uh, I loved it. i read it in a book, but then when you see Buckingham Palace or York Minster and all that, it just turned me on. And then we went down through France, through the Alps. Um, and I was just buzzing about the, in those days, all the different exchange rates, all the different currencies, all the different languages, all the different foods, uh, you know, I love life. And that was like a, a spice of life. So I, yeah. I we had about a three week trip and I came home going, "Whoa! I, I need to go back. I need to see more. Yeah. And and that was it. So it happened by chance.
1: So tell me a little bit more about this Santa Patriot, because, you know, <laughs> guys on guys on tour,
0: you know, what, yeah. happened? what happened? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the funniest things is the very first day we get to Calais uh which you know people would know Dover Calais and we didn't have any money we had tents and we 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 parked up in some farmer's field and my cousin dropped the car keys <laughs> so <laughs> we were stuck in a field in Calais for the first three days <laughs> no way. We, well we waited yeah for car keys to arrive and they had to make car keys so uh that was the start of the trip <laughs> um. and then we went we went down through the Alps, through Annecy, and I remember yeah. Annecy being absolutely beautiful. And then we got to Saint-Tropez, and that's when we first ever seen, a, you know, topless girls on a beach. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was a point of interest. Yeah. Um, and then we've seen Carlos Santana uh, oh. in a place called Frayju's. In a Roman Colosseum, Fresh Juice is beautiful, if anybody hasn't been there. And uh, Santana with the Black Magic Woman, da, 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 da. you know, all that was going on with the with the bungled drums. And we had a full moon in the background. I just thought, you know, I love this place. I love it. And I, I will be coming back. And I spoke a bit of French. I could get by. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that wow, was good cool. to start. Mate, those holidays, like, you were 20, 20 21. I think yeah I was 21 and the other guys were like 19 20 yeah. and uh you know I remember we got rained on in our tent so one of the guys had the idea of putting the tent in a dryer the problem with that was it melted <laughs> the tent melted in the dryer <laughs> so we had no we had nowhere to sleep
1: <laughs> so to to explain how, what happened how did you what, where did you sleep
0: oh uh, we, we ended up uh just sleeping under the stars on the beach i uh, wish it was even better the problem was then though the bugs would get in your bag and you get bitten alive so we ended up buying another tent <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that is awesome
0: oh god yeah. yeah
1: the thing is i think so basically you got your travel bug from that
0: i did that yeah. was the start of it yeah, and that became a lifelong obsession.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, twenty-one, you go back to Canada. Yeah, you, you you have
0: a job there, obviously. Well, you know, what, after university, so here you go. I do my four years. I graduate in eighty-two. The only thing I really want to do is ski and travel. So, what do I do? I head out west and I go to Banff and I get a job as a waiter in a place called Sunshine Ski Village. And the yeah. reason I get the job as a waiter. I would serve breakfast from like uh, six o'clock till nine o'clock. And then I'd be able to ski from 10, 10 till four. So every day I'm doing 10 till four, solid skiing and powder snow, the top of the Rockies, beautiful. And then I do dinner from say six till about 11 or 12. And I did this 300 days in a row. And uh, like that was karma. Uh, And then. What I haven't told you is that led into six seasons. (laughs) So I got carried away because that led into, uh, I met somebody who said, you know, Gary, you got to go to Switzerland and I ended up in Verbier, Switzerland. And that was totally just initially shoveling snow and things like that. And then I got a job teaching skiing and uh, that led on to another ski resort called Teen, which a lot of your viewers will know. Um, so anyway, I did six years of non stop skiing all over the world, wow. uh, some of the best places in the world.
1: Yeah, so well, I can't actually imagine. You must have legs like tree trunks, and do you know what I mean? It's like
0: all of that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of skiing. But what's interesting, I, I don't really have big legs, uh, but uh, you know, after all that, skiing good technique, and the thing is, it, it's all come here, I am, you know. 40 years on uh, and I've gone full circle and I'm back doing the whole thing again. And it's driving me again. I was never, it's a bug that's inside me. That's, that's never, ever gone away. Yeah. And uh, so, so what happened after the six years, my mother and father, poor mother and father, they were despairing. <laughs> when, when was I going to settle down? You know, <laughs> and my cousin in Leeds, his parents were having the same sort of problem. And they were both in Toronto complaining about their sons. When are our sons going to settle down? And so anyhow, uh, well, I was going through Leeds on my way home to Toronto to settle down. And Nielsen Ski Holidays was based there. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who went in, met the MD, and he said, you know what? We're going to set up this training program and teach travel agents how to sell ski holidays. I want someone who can talk about skiing, someone who knows skiing, reasonably young, and can write a book about it. And my bud said, I know who the guy is. (laughs) I'm going to be in wardrobe. And I got recommended. I met this guy. And you won't believe it, Steve. I took the job on the spot. The guy said, I'm going to pay you 8,500 quid a year, plus give you a car, but you're going to do nothing but talk skiing. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> I went home to Toronto for the weekend. And my mom and dad said, oh, my son, he's coming home. He's going to settle down. And I said, sorry, mom. I said, Could I get the washing done? Can I get my clothes washed? Because I'm going back on Monday. I'm going to start this job. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I did all that. I went home for the week. My poor mom and dad. Um, and I went home and started and it was it became very successful.
1: Yeah, I'll bet. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I think so this is sort of mid to late 80s.
0: Yeah, this was I think 87. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 86. Mm-hmm. And it's Nielsen Ski Holidays and it's called the Nielsen Ski Training Program. I think they still use it today. And uh, and that gave me the springboard. So that's me now living in the UK working in the UK, got my passport, everything. So it was yeah. really from 87 onwards. And it was a fluke meeting.
1: Yeah. Oh no, well that's the thing, isn't it? Some of these serendipitous moments kind of yeah. happen, don't they? And you've just got to take advantage of them.
0: You do. And sometimes, you know, you look back and you think sometimes you said no, sometimes you said yes. Here's what I did and it fundamentally changed my life. And I've still got, you know, great friends from Leeds up there in those times and a lot of industry people. Well, that's where my travel industry um took off yeah
1: yeah and you stayed you stayed in the north then did you uh, from nielsen yeah. you went you went where did you go after that
0: okay after nielsen's went to Air Tours, and that was a, a chance thing so here you go so i have uh i started off this training managers nielsen's i was working with them, martin and graham bell we sponsored them on the world cup they're the two biggest yeah. skiers in the uk so they're good friends of mine anyhow Four years of doing that, I became sales and marketing director of Nielsen. Then I you know became a whole different ball game. I got to know the travel agency world. I got to know you know how to get beds, how to contract beds. I got to know the business. And then in those days, air tours were big and flying. They never had a ski program, and they tried to buy Nielsen's, and they missed it. You know, it was bought by uh, um, Sunworld, Peter Long, David, Elstab, all those guys. And they bought it, and I thought, you know what? I mean, I feel ready. I'd love to have my own business, but I don't have enough money. And I just thought, well, who's the guy who owns Air Tours? Maybe he's he's got enough money. So I, I found it was David Croslin. and at those days he was in the Sunday Times list worth two hundred million. So believe it or not, I got out the yellow pages and I I looked down and I found the Air Tours number. I called them up. I said, I want to speak to David Crosland because. I know everything about skiing. I just don't have enough money to do it. I think he's got the money. And then I went through <laughs> a series of people. Um, I had to go and he had his MBA whiz kids and all that. And they all interviewed me. And then they finally said, they called him up. They said, David, you should meet Gary. And that uh, was an amazing for me, like an amazing meeting. Cause I'm meeting a guy who was like the guy, yeah. the top dog. And, um, and my idea was kind of sound that I said, look, I can bring all these beds to you and I can bring you the travel agents. I know how to do it. I just don't have the finance and I don't have the infrastructure. You got that. We should do something. And so he said, Yes. And then I started Air Tour Ski. And that started me on Air Tours on a really a fantastic sort of I think it was eight years. Wow.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I mean those are those are crazy days actually in the travel industry, weren't they?
0: Yes. Yes. And Air Tours every week we're buying somebody. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know the ex- two exciting things there. One was the cruising business. So uh, it, David was incredibly shrewd, and the idea was we had all these planes flying into Majorca, and then you had P and O, you know, cruising out of Southampton, broadly speaking. And his thought was, and it was right. Uh, we've got all these aircraft; we could do a much cheaper rate on the aircraft, and then we'll we'll park an older ship out of Palma, and we'll do one week, you know, around the the Med. And uh and we'll cut the price in half. So if it was fifteen hundred quid before we're going at seven hundred and fifty because we had the economies of scale, we also had the distribution. We owned Pick Pickford's and Hog Robinson, which became going places. So we had like and this is pre-internet, so you needed distribution in the high street. So we had it. And we had the aircraft. So all we needed was the, air, was the ship. And at this point, the ski program had become successful and I got a good relationship with David and, and he put me on the cruise program. So I was right at the cutting edge of sun cruises and we ended up with one and we sold the first ship within about a month and a half. We sold the whole summer season. It was gone. So then we went and bought two more ships. So, I mean, it was so uber exciting and here i am this this ski bum you know effectively from Verbier. now i'm I'm hitting in the big wigs on the cruise industry and uh and i did that because i thought you know i needed a new boat on my string i needed to expand and i realized whilst i love skiing uh, it was a small slice of a very big industry and, and 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 air tours i think really brought me on and gave me the opportunity yeah um so that was that was super exciting
1: so David Crossland was—it was kind of a bit of a legend. I mean, I—I I, I never met him, you know, in the travel industry. Yep. So what, what did you learn from him?
0: He uh, was incredibly shrewd and an incredible attention to detail. And you could have this conversation where there'd be like seven lions in a room all debating some issue, and he just cut to the chase and in a matter of like ten words be able to summarize something that seemed very complicated. And then you go, yeah you know god you're right so i i think he was incredibly shrewd um and also a risk taker you know and he was also like on it so he would call me you know on a thursday night at eight and go hey gary the carousel which is one of our ships he'd go june 1st um uh, your outside cabin on the third deck how come you haven't sold it yet and i go oh i better get on it right away <laughs> So that's what I mean by detail. Wow, yeah. he was something else. And he was living at 24 hours a day. Yeah. So he's without doubt with probably John Hayes, two of the brightest people, yeah. uh, like mathematical brains, yeah. Um at a higher level, you know, yeah. and, and also risk taker, prepared to do, and then all of a sudden go, right, let's go buy a cruise ship. And then I, I ended up on a private jet with him once, going to buy a cruise ship. <laughs> I thought, whoa, this is this is happening. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. So yeah.
1: um you had like a t. You were you were a
0: director then, were you? Yes, became a director. Yeah.
1: So, what was your kind of management philosophy? What was your style?
0: Okay, I think uh, walk the talk. So you know that's the first thing. That means you you really need to know your subject. And then I think to know your subject, if you love it, you know it. So like skiing at that point, you know I'm. Listen, I'm forty years of age, but I've been doing it since I was seven. So I really knew the subject matter. And then the cruise business, I really got stuck in. I got in all the ships, got to know them, got to know all the crew and uh, understand their points. And then I just, you know, understand the broader market, you know, who's Mm -hmm. the competition, where is it going? And I think particularly with the Sun Cruises, we had a unique selling point that we had the distribution. We had going places and that we had the aircraft. And then the other thing is pulling people along with you, Mm. particularly in a big company. When you have your own company, which I've done, that's slightly different. But you need to pull people along with you. So uh you know on the cruise thing, I'd spend all my time running from director to director. Just explain what we're doing, why we're doing and and, you know they had any resistance and problems that I understood them and I could go away and work on them, come back and make them happy. Mm. So yeah, get people to to come along with you for Mm. the ride. Yeah.
1: You, you strike me as being a really very very good communicator uh
0: I, th- I think uh i always get my enthusiasm i think it comes through i can't help it i i do feel enthusiastic but what i have to watch is is, is sometimes attention uh enthusiasm overcoming attention to detail so i then learned as i got older what's one of the real keys is understanding your weaknesses and strengths and uh, and that's another key point so if i wasn't as a good on accounts, so I get a really good accountant around me just to control me sometimes and make sure I, my enthusiasm didn't get the better of me.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, what happened at Air Tours? What, what, well, why, why did you leave?
0: Oh, okay. Well, I basically had uh, 1993 to about 2000. The world was changing. The internet was coming in and I just sensed bigger opportunities and Air Tours was getting too big. They're, they're like any business thing has a life cycle, I think I was there at a super exciting phase where we went from like, you know, 400,000 people to 3 million. And then it got to like 5 million global and it was out of control. It was coming a political beast and I, I wasn't enjoying it. Mm-hmm. You just had, you know, Swedes, Canadians. It just got to be unwieldy. And I could sense its best days were probably done. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, this internet's taken off. So I then joined a company called the Travel Channel. And the reason I did that, um, you probably remember the entrepreneur, Harry Goodman. He set up mm-hmm. something called TV Travel Shop. So selling holidays from home. And he was spot on and in the mm-hmm. right time. But no one was challenging him. So uh, I got a chance with the Travel Channel to set up. We called it Travel Deals Direct, where we're basically using the TV screen uh, to say to people, here we go. Here's a cruise with Sun Cruises, you know, 699 to New York and call now. Yeah. And uh, so I set up a business there and that and then also got involved with TV, with advertising, things like that. Yeah. Um, and that was about a four year period. And that was exciting. Um, I would say on that one, we didn't have an, enough resource to, to give it the full treatment. You needed big money. Yeah. And uh, that that was very tricky in those days. There are all kinds of Internet companies starting up and then going bust and everything else. Um, and then. I then got the opportunity to go back to become managing director of Air Tours Cruise, uh, and I took that because just a really wicked opportunity. Um, we had going places, and we made it a pure retail play, and uh, another opportunity. So, and yeah. I said yes, and I took it. I'm glad I did.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I my my very first job was working for um, uh, Harry Goodman. And I was, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. So before, back in the where he, he um, IOG was the, uh, yep. you know, the company, the big Intersun. company with, yeah, that's right. Intersun, Lancaster yep. holidays, Selects and stuff. So I worked. Club at, 18 to 30. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I was the rep at Gatwick Airport for about six months. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, they were, a, it was a great company, actually. They, they had a great um, culture, um, you know, uh, but I, like you said, I think sometimes these companies have a life cycle. Don't they? He, I think. There were yeah. certain things that happened, I think, worldwide events that that catapulted yeah. them into... Uh...
0: I, I think particularly the Iraq War, yeah. with because uh, they had Air Europa, which was a really good airline, I recall. Mm. And then I think, I remember the first Gulf War. You know, in the travel industry, we've had our challenges, but the first <laughs> Gulf War was the first biggie. Yeah. And I think that really brought them down.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, God, 1991, 92, wasn't it? The, the there West you go. Iraq. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Ex- so, right. So, back at Air Tours... Airtour's cruise, you then think, I need to do something for myself. Is that right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So all along, uh, and like, you know, Airtour Ski back in 93 was my first semi version of, uh, that was someone else backing it, but it was my entrepreneurial flair really coming through, I think. Uh, But then I thought, I got to do this totally on my own. And uh, so it's uh, 2008. I've now got enough money to set my own thing up, and I've got a, an idea. And I think, like with, with anybody, if you're starting off, particularly in travel, and in any industry, somehow you need to find a unique differentiating factor. And while ski was my first love affair, and, uh, and it still is, cruise, to me, was where the action was, and it still is. Cruise is a massive industry, and it's still growing. And I knew it really well. And my idea was to set up a dedicated high street shop focused purely on cruise. So it was called Get Cruising, and it's in the Pantiles of Tumber Wells, a very affluent area, big catchment area. You'll know it. Yeah. Um, and so, I, and and also thought, well, brochures to me are probably going to die. So I'm going and, and the web is going to take over. So I started off with Get Cruising and had GetCruising.co.uk created a website with the shop and then in the shop i had a bar and a lounge and hardly any brochures at all um it was going to be more and just staff really geared up to really new cruise, and uh it worked Did a million pounds of cruise in year one but but here's one of the key points timing is everything and uh, unfortunately the credit crunch
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> within six this is what happens in life and you know i look back and it's like uh, it becomes part of the fun later on when you survive it But basically, the credit crunch happened. I remember people going by going, oh, look at that shop. Isn't it lovely? Oh, I'd love to go on a cruise. (laughs) And they go, but darling, we don't have any money right now. And I wonder if that guy's going to survive. And I remember hearing that. Oh, my God. Uh, Everybody was, you know, the banks were going bust and stuff. So uh, my timing was spectacularly wrong. Um, Anyhow, survived it, got through it. And I realized um, after getting my first couple of really good customers buying cruises, they come back in and say, well, Gary, I love that cruise with Q&R to New York, but I'm going to China. You don't do China, do you? And I thought, well, you know what? I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, we do China. (laughs) (laughs) And, And with the Hayes Group, we could, right? We had 300 different suppliers. I just managed to start with focusing on cruise. And I think that was the right thing. Focus on one thing. Then you get the customer. And then I rolled with the customer. And the customer said to me, China. So I started doing China with Wendy Wu. Then someone come in and said, I want to do Italy. And I said, fine, we'll do Italy, the magic of Italy. And then they said, Canada. I said, well, of course we do Canada. I'm from Canada. And, you know, um, and so I then started moving it away. And I thought, well, Get Cruising was a great starting point. And we're doing a million pounds of this stuff. It's still great. I could grow it but I need to diversify because my customers diversify and they want a range of products. So I then thought, you know, chat with myself, get cruising. Why not do get traveling? Then I thought, wait a minute, my real love is get skiing. So I went out and registered, get skiing, get cruising, get traveling. And then I rebranded the shop to get traveling, which had get cruising, get skiing uh, as subsections. And that was was the the right move at the time to get through what was a, Really difficult. So I was forced into thinking really different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I think to young person, you know, you set up your business, you know, you're going to have tough times. You got to be driven yeah. and you got to face the facts and take the hard truths and make some big decisions. And then for me at that time, you know, on the fly, this was done in a matter of like four or five days. I thought I need to diversify. Mm. Um, and also the cost of Concordia had flipped over and Cruise was getting a bad rap, all things like that. So I, I then came up with Get Skiing, Get Traveling, and something called Get Lost, getlost.co.uk. I believe in the, in the adventure market. I thought people are getting more and more adventures. People are going to the Arctic, the Antarctic. They want to see the bears, the whales, whatever. And my getlost.co.uk was my adventure plan. I worked with companies like Exodus, um, yeah. and we did well there. You know, mm. some people doing Everest Base Camp, that kind of thing. Wow. Um, cycling, which I know you're big in cycling, and mm. – uh so that, so that went well. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Um, you know, I think the th- the thing is, it's all about not standing still really, isn't it? And, and sort of, you got to keep moving forward.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You stand still, uh, you know, someone's going to overtake you. So you got to move with the times. Mm. Um, uh, you were, you were also, you were small
1: enough to sort of roll with the punches as well, weren't you? So you could, yes. you, you could diversify fairly easily. So, because you were, you know, nimble enough. Yeah,
0: that's the great thing about a small business. Yeah. I just thought I gotta do it. And within, you know, three days, I had done it. Mm. Whereas I go back to my Air Tours days, particularly at the end, you know, you might have six months to get something signed off because more like a government. And that's when you know the business is too big.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so in this it's in this sort of period of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, I, I mean I remember that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Lord. Yeah, it
1: was brutal. Oh, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, and I remember you know sitting down at um lunch at uh, the Hayes conference uh, in um in the yeah. Forest of Arden and we were t- we were talking yes. about stuff and chewing the cud a little bit, weren't we? And and, and, yeah. and the thing is and I think this is what's is so great about the travel industry and travel industry people generally yep. speaking are really it takes a lot to get them down. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yes. Yeah, very positive. Mm. And even in, now you look at you know, I think of all the things we've had, we've had the ash cloud, we've had, the uh, um, you know, Iraq wars, we've had terrorism, uh, you know, all these things. And now the pandemic, the pandemic is by far the worst. Yeah. But still, they remain positive. And uh, so, you know, you pretty much have positive can do people in the industry. Uh, it's probably not the smartest industry to be in. If I, if I wanted to purely make money, there's no way I'd ever gone into travel. <laughs> it's, it's probably <laughs> stupid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: but you get get bitten by it. There's a bug, and the people are positive, and they're also realistic. I think one of the great things of those conferences, you know, everyone would tell the truth. Like, you know, my God, you know, it's tough. You yeah. know.
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. The 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 reality is is um, uh, that. I think people in travel generally are optimistic people, but they're, they're not stupid enough to, to realize, actually we, we need to knuckle down now, and uh, we need to maybe yeah. think about you know going down this route rather than and, 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 and not staying on, on yeah. this particular uh, trail. Ah, um, yeah.
0: so I'm oh, sorry, I got one for you. The only well, constant in life is change.
1: It's very true.
0: How profound. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, As, <laughs> everything we just discussed. I just thought that's the one for that one. The only constant in life is change.
1: Yeah, no, very true. Absolutely. What's the best piece of advice you've ever had in your life? Uh,
0: the best piece of, I'm not sure. I've had one. I, I I think follow your passion. I've had people say that to me before, and I think I'd say it again because yeah. if you're passionate, and that's what we're just saying about the travel people. They've survived through you know thick and thin because of the passion yeah and then that leads that will lead to success and success and then money follows and money is only part of it it's yeah. important we all need it to pay the bills but you know there's more to life than that so I think follow your passion
1: yeah absolutely um is that sort of your secret source then in terms of you know your, your I think it's so one far? of them uh,
0: Yeah, and I think the other one is kind of, uh, you know, be adventurous. Be prepared to take a chance. Don't fear failure. Hmm. Failure is part of the process of life. Hmm. And uh, I think if anything I've done well, I've had a whole bunch of failure behind it. You know, and in business, it'd be a series of small failures. I want to, you know, you never bet the house on one side of things. You you, You bet a percentage so that if it doesn't go well and things don't go well, you know, ash cloud, you know, September the 11th, whatever, all this stuff happens. Um, So, but, but what you don't want to do is have, have your confidence eroded and and stop taking chances. I think in life you need to continue to do that. And that, you know, it could be meaning in in retirement that you um, take up a new hobby that you start playing tennis, you start playing golf, you pick up the guitar, you play the guitar again or the piano, uh it doesn't you know right now i'm I'm racing that's ski racing but that's part of what i'm doing to challenge myself again i'm pushing the envelope i'm skiing faster now than i did when i was in my 20s got better <laughs> kit and everything else but i'm still pushing myself and i would advocate that to everybody doesn't mean racing it could mean playing the guitar but but yeah. do that keep challenging yourself because yeah. i think then that's when like you get old too fast
1: yeah absolutely absolutely so I, I'm I'm skipping around all over the place here because yeah, fine. Um, which I apologise for, but this is sort of going down the entrepreneurial route again because you yep. spotted a gap in the market, didn't you? For yep. selling ski holidays online, yep. okay, no one was really doing it very well. Um You saw that there there was a, a, a gap there, didn't you? I remember you telling me about it, and I thought, wow, that's yep. amazing. You know why yep. hasn't it? You know, and you 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 grasped the the bull by the horns and you, you, you went for it again, didn't you? So tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I started off with the cruising, then the skiing started happening and, and I realized again, that's what I'm best at. It's what I know the, the most. And, uh, and then I looked around the marketplace and I thought, well, who really is good at ski? Um, there isn't anybody. And so at that point, then I, uh, went to Canterbury Christchurch college, And I approached them because they had a a program where if you hire some young web-based people, uh, they would go like 50-50. And I thought, well, there's my Because my weakness was IT. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the world's taken off with IT. That's one big trend. And then there's the ski market. So I thought I could bring the ski market to online. But I need someone who really knows it. So I I got the whole college working on my website. And this is back in, uh, I think probably 2012, something like that, 2011, and uh, built a really good ski website. And that was a question. It it took off. It started working really well. And we went, you know, because there's the internet right across the country. I thought, well, you know, I'll do Liverpool Airport. We'll do Scotland. We'll do Newcastle, roll it right out. And the great thing being independent, we could consolidate. Um, Ingham's, Crystal, Nielsen's, Club Mark Warner, Club Med, and get what's right for the customer. So that's the proposition. They didn't have to go around to all those guys because they called Ingham's, Ingham's would sell them Ingham's. Well, yeah. What we would do is flip it on its head and go, wait a minute, what's right for you? You've never skied before. Why are you going to Semeritz in Switzerland, which is going to cost you a fortune when you don't even know how to ski or even if you know if you like it? Why, yeah. why don't we go to a little place in Austria at half the price? and we would do that and then get the right supplier. So I think uh, that was a case of getting the web strategy right, identifying that in the UK, there are really only like five or six other guys who are any good at skiing. Everybody else was kind of like, well, it's not big enough. I've never skied. Uh, I don't want to bother with it. So I thought, no, I want to bother with it. There's, there's, there's a million people skiing. I can make a good turn on, on this and, and provide some value. So it was a combination of Getting the right web people, identifying in the market that there was a gap, uh, and then then ready to go for it.
1: Yeah. Did you tie up with somebody else as well um, from a technology point of view? Or
0: uh, oh yes, okay. Later on, uh, I did. I got um, uh, a, a crowd from uh, East Midlands Airport. Actually, a cargo company involved, right. and, and the reason there. And this is a long-term strategic advisor. I thought the world is changing and I'm getting, you know, I'm a little bit older. I'm not the best web-based guy. I would be good to have younger people who live the mobile phone uh, involved and with some fresh money and investments and fresh thinking. So, yes, I I did uh, five years ago take a strategic decision that, uh, you know, I needed at some point to have an exit strategy. I did that and then I got a crew in who had – Really good IT skills.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose <clears throat> in the background, Mrs. Wardrobe is keeping everything together at home and uh, make, keeping everybody <laughs> sane. So how how, um, how has everything been on that side, so family side, when you've been building these businesses and working and stuff?
0: Yeah, overall good. So I've got uh, two kids who Jay now is uh, 20 and Lily is 22. Um, Yeah. And and they've been great. They've watched their dad, uh, you know, come home positive and also come home sometimes, you know, angry and frustrated. And that's part of the life of, you know, if you're going to ride it and underwrite it, you're going to have good days, bad days. So that all goes with it. But, uh, you know, Jay's a really good skier. It's not really Lily's thing. Um, And yeah, Mrs. Wardrobe, she holds the fort together and sort of slaps me about, I'm out of slightly out of control on, on something. Um, yeah, no. And uh, so overall, good. And, you yeah. know, I don't think they're going to follow the travel. They have their own interests. They're going to go their own, their own direction and I'll support them whatever that is. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. So um, you've now come out of travel. I, you, you, you are still yeah. a, a shareholder in the business and, um, yeah. and stuff. So what prompted that decision? Why, why did you want to get out?
0: Okay. Uh, two things. Uh, one, just a longer term thing. I'm now 62, and uh, uh, my dad's passed away. My mom's not in good shape. I want to spend more time with my mom, and also my mother-in-law. Same things happen. So it, we're getting older. That's part of it. I, I also felt that that's so why I needed an exit strategy, and then I had other goals. I want to do. Um, I'd like to do more things on a charity front now, because uh, basically society has been good to me. So I'd like to. Had a bit more back so uh there's some things there and, and ultimately i felt the world's changing so fast hmm. um that the web-based side i'm not the best with it so it's better to have someone else in there and then so and ultimately an, an exit strategy to move on to the next stage of which yeah. ski racing is happening ski is happening
1: so tell me about this conversation then with i can only describe, describe a a pretty wonderful wife if you're coming home from work saying right i've i've just sold the business and i want to go ski racing i want to learn i want to know about this conversation because there's some there's there's got to be some tips here for men communicating with their wives it's got to be like gold dust this is yeah uh,
0: okay yeah well it is a negotiation so um whilst i have just come back from it i've also promised we're going to barbado's <laughs> so it's it wasn't negotiation that's part of it. I think the other part is she's happy to get rid of me <laughs> so i i' am away for a week, and she knows me so uh i she, to keep me happy, I kinda unless I have a big goal. Uh, I get, a little, I can get ornery. I go looking for goals. So rather than have me around the house threatening to paint something and do a bad job, she's better off to let me go away and go ski racing. Um, so that and, and she can see her friends and read her books and not have to worry about me. I, I'm, i probably like another child at times.
1: I get, well, no, I can imagine. What a great, what a great <laughs> wife. Um, so, how did you? So ski racing. Tell me more about this yeah. because this is what prompted yeah. my my contacting you again and because i saw something okay. on facebook and the, and i'm seeing videos sure. of you fly literally flying <laughs> down the mountain yeah okay so tell yeah. me how'd you get involved with the the ski racing again
0: okay so uh i guess it's always been inside me it's a love and something i enjoy and it's this thing i do best so, and I haven't really done it since I was like 15. So we're talking, you know, 40 some odd years ago, but I continued to ski through all my life and do touring. And I've been all over the world, all over North America and Europe. I never stopped the love affair with it. And then about four years ago, I was on the Alps on a chairlift with somebody and I seen this race and someone said, oh, it's a senior's race. I said, so what's that? And they said, well, all those guys are over 50. And I said, oh God, look, I could do that. And I thought, that looks great. That's a really cool course. And it was a World Cup course and it was in Chamonix. And I thought, yeah, I'd love to do this. So I went back, researched it, and it's called the Masters. It's an FIS, Federation Internationale de Ski. So it's the same thing as the World Cup pros, it's just older guys and girls. So I looked into it, signed up, and yeah, I had to do a big medical test because, you know, they don't want you having a heart attack at the starting <laughs> gate. Um, it, it happens. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm in the 60 to 65 category which is the most competitive there's like 70 guys in the world from austria switzerland canada japan all over the world and we get in the gates and we shake it up and um it's massively competitive but then also good fun everybody has a beer with each other afterwards so uh it's got the camaraderie but it's the, the neat thing i've just come back from samaritz which sounds posy But the neat thing is we're skiing on the World Cup hill and World Cup, you know, netting, World Cup timing, commentator. You you feel like you're like a World Cup racer on Ski Sunday. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And it's a buzz, you know, a total buzz. So when
1: so where have you raced so far?
0: Okay, so I've done three of them now. One was in Chatel, which is in the uh, Port de Soleil near Avoriaz in France. That was two years ago. And then COVID hit. Uh, and that was a slalom and I'll never forget it was raining because I'm the new kid on the block. They start you at the back and they have like 300 show up. So I, I get big ruts, you know, skiers will know that. But basically you ski down and, and you, you, you kick the snow out. So it becomes like a Monza course. And I'm standing up there in the pouring rain thinking, is this really what I want to do? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did it. And again, you get in the, in the starting game, you're just, your 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 heart's Pumping, you're you know you're ready to rock and uh, it's a real buzz so i did that and then i did uh about a month ago cortina cortina depends was which is in the dolomites and that was great we had this super g and super g's where you you know do you know like 50 miles an hour and it's turning at 50 miles an hour so it's fast and you're turning and you're doing little jumps and stuff and super uber exciting um and then uh Saint-Marie. so i've done three but you know Every week there is one race in a country. So Czechoslovakia has one, Slovakia has one, Canada has one, the States is just you know it's self-funded. So that's okay, <laughs> yeah. done too. Two, <laughs> two's enough for now, and then I go back and negotiate my wife about next year. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so you're 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 planning for for twenty twenty three now.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I okay. am. Um, I'd love to go out again, but there's there's other things that, that got to be done. And but there is one guy in uh, Britain who who's got a camper van he's in his 70s and he is doing every race he goes race to race and Mm -hmm. i he's my model by the time i'm 75 i figure we'll go from 45 people down to about 15 i'll have a chance of being number one in the world
1: (laughs) 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 yes absolutely it's got to be a goal
0: and, and steve i have to say there was one guy this week from switzerland who's 95 right 95 and uh absolutely it brought a tear to my eye everybody there's 500 of us we all stopped and clapped this guy went down the course okay it was slow but he made it yeah and uh, he's 95 years of age yeah down a ski race course absolutely fantastic
1: oh that's so cool i mean everybody that goes skiing says you know they go once and you get the bug and they say it's like no other holiday that you could ever go on. It's you know brilliant and yeah. stuff. I've never been. I have to say,
0: um, right?
1: What, what what's so special about skiing?
0: I think uh, first of all it's the mountains. You know, you're standing there, and for me, there's a sense of order in life when you see the mountains. You see the size. Of so you're standing there. You're at seven thousand feet, and you're looking up to thirteen, fourteen thousand feet, and there's these syracs and these glaciers. And you can then just see the power of Mother Nature, and to me, there's something inspirational in that, and how insignificant we are as individuals, really. You know, mm. uh, and that that mountain's been there for you know one billion years and is still growing or shrinking, whatever. Uh, but it, it it it's the order, and then it's the inspiration of the size of them, and then there's just the feeling of skiing down the mountain with gravity. So it's natural. It's it's human, and and you're you're beside you. Know, the best thing to me is powder skiing. You're in three foot of fresh snow. You're with two of your best buddies, and you're screaming. You're all in ecstasy together, and you go down the mountain, poop, 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 The snow's flying over your head, and then at the end of the day, the sun's going down. You're having a beer. You're reflecting back. You know nothing better.
1: Oh, sounds awesome. I suppose you've got to be in pretty yeah. good shape as well, haven't you? Because it's it must be quite demanding, yeah. fitness, you know, physically.
0: It is. And, uh, you know, just the height. Uh, you know, if you're at 10 12,000 feet. Your heart's going to beat faster because mm. you're higher up. There's less oxygen. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm going to the gym to try and keep in shape. Uh, and the better shape you are, the, be- the better you're going to do. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's an all round. And then, you know, also the apres ski, you know, the food, the wine, you know, last week I was in Switzerland. Some beautiful dinners. The week before was it, Italy. Oh, you know, yeah. the food's great, the wine's <laughs> great. So all, all of that is part of it. You have to, you know, kick it in there. But uh, yeah. ultimately, racing or but even powder, I'd, I'd say powder because you're sharing it with somebody. Racing, that's you against the clock. Whereas powder, it can be you and like ten other people all mm. getting the same ecstasy. Mm.
1: So it's that combination then of everything really in terms of the the. You know, the physical element of skiing, it's the beauty, and then it's the the, the the people and the the food and, and everything. It's the, it's an all-round holiday, really, isn't it?
0: It is. And you know, at the end of the day, maybe you're in a jacuzzi, so you're outside, you roll around the snow in your bathing suit, and, and then you jump in a hot jacuzzi, and yeah. then someone gives you a glass of champagne. You know, that's not bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's awesome. I mean, when
1: I when I go cycling, um, I, I mean, I love cycling, as you know, and mm. when I'm, when I'm out on my bike, it's just me and it's just me and the bike. And, and that's, that's why okay, yeah. it's very reflective and, and, you know, the challenge of going up a hill and cycling up a hill and stuff like that. And I would imagine that when you're skiing and you're downhill, it's just you and the skis and the snow and yeah. you, you, you've got to just be in the moment, haven't you?
0: Yeah, totally. And so it, it is, uh, it gives you plenty of thinking time, you know, to balance the world uh, but then I say at the same time, it is can be sharing it with other people. And that is equally a, as attractive. So it can be very, very social.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what's the what's the goals? What what, what are your goals now? You, you know, I know you're doing your skiing thing, but and you're doing some charity. You're looking to do some charity work. Yeah. You know, you, you're a guy who loves big goals. What's you know, when yeah. you're not skiing, what are you going to be doing?
0: Yeah. OK, um, well, will just. Number one, being a dad, that's probably the, the, the first thing that's, that's ongoing all the time. Uh, I think I would also, down the road, it would be really neat to help some younger businesses, some younger guys, girls, uh, starting up in travel. I think I could uh, provide words of wisdom. So some tutoring, I think, maybe, yeah. um, be part of it. And certainly the ski racing a lot more, and then also traveling a lot more. You know, I've traveled a lot around the world, but you only travel enough to realize that there's so much more you want to see. Yeah. And I know you're really big on Africa and my little experience to Ethiopia. I loved it. So, you know, I, I really want to go to a lot more of Africa, for example, and also South America, sort of two broad areas that I really haven't done yeah. justice to. So uh, so just my own traveling. And then right. I think there'll, there'll be other things that come up along the way. I'm out to play tennis tonight. Um, you know, I'll continue, I'll continue to do that. I play a bit of golf. And I think one of the keys is just kind of mix it up, have a variety of of things going on. So you so it just keeps life interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel I've I've been slightly indulgent with your time. So um I really appreciate you know our conversation. And every time I meet you, it's always been fantastic. But so I've just got one last question. Yep. And it's all about optimism. We've kind of yep. covered it, but what does optimism really mean to you?
0: Uh, optimism, I think, is a state of mind, state of attitude, and I think it's a can-do attitude that you can make things happen, and that you believe other people can make things happen. So there is good. So optimism—you can't have this. Is probably the best could be one of the, arguably the best words in the world: optimism. Mm. Yeah, making things happen and making things happen for the betterment of people, including yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Oh,
1: that's really cool. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. I've really enjoyed it. It's lovely to catch up with you. I have too. Um, I look look forward to more, more, more uh, images from uh, your skiing escapades. And um, yeah, all the, all the very best, mate. Really, you're an inspiration.
0: Steve, thank you very much. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm off to play tennis. Yay! (laughs) Take it easy
1: thank you so much for listening everyone your support is very much appreciated Uh, please do tell all your friends and colleagues to subscribe to the show and share the links to the episodes everything you do is greatly appreciated by me Uh, gary is awesome as well i'm so proud to call him a friend and i want to thank him from the bottom of my heart for taking the time out to come on the show you can connect with gary on the facebook Uh, i'll uh, put all his details on the show notes and let's all remember let's all get traveling people Take care now.